This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, parents, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian, the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And uh, today's question is uh, a heavier topic, and it's one that we've seen in the news again and again and again. This comes to us from one of our listeners, has to do with guns and schools and violence and our kids. And uh, I know that we've had a chance to uh, talk about this in previous podcasts, but it is a topic that comes up often, and we thought it would be a good time uh, in light of uh, recent news in the last several weeks uh, to tackle this one again. And so we're uh, we're grateful to our listener for writing in this question, which I'll read for you in just a moment. Uh, we do want to, uh, before we do that, though, say a big thanks to our sponsors. We've got the Center of Place of Hope, and uh, that's our good friends up in the Seattle area with Dr. Greg Jantz. And um, we say this all the time, but if ever you or someone that you love is going through a particularly tough challenge, um, whether it's with anxiety or depression, eating disorders, uh, this is a great place to check out and see what they can do to help you out. And uh, we recommend Greg's books, Greg Jantz, uh, all the time so that you can find out more about them at the Wonder of Parenting um, uh, website, wonderofparenting.com. And then uh, Michael has uh, been very, very high on the Forge School, and we can learn more about them at wonderofparenting.com as well. Yep. Yeah, the Forge School is uh, residential treatment for boys 14 to 17. Uh, If you know a boy having significant issues, look at the Forge School. Go on our website. They have a great cast. cast. They have a, a great staff. (laughs) Um, uh, I don't know why the word cast came to mind. They have a great staff. um, uh, And and in fact, both Jance and the Forge School kind of connect with our topic today, actually, mental health. Um, And and in terms of the Forge School, the mental health of boys. So um, uh, just go to wonderparenting.com and click the Forge School and you'll see it's wonderful residential treatment. Now, we're recording this uh, in uh, early December. So that's sort of the context. Uh, by the time this airs, it's probably going to be January. Um, but the story will still be there about the latest shooting. And that's where this question comes out of. Uh, what can be done about gun violence in schools? At this point, it feels like an endemic and the vaccine is a bulletproof backpack and the hope that it won't happen again. Um, there should be a better way than simply hoping for the best. But according to a Google search, the first school shooting was in 1764. Mm. Here we are headed into 2022, and this is still a major concern and has happened so frequently, it's not even surprising anymore and even more devastating and extremely scary. Any insight that can be provided would be helpful. I understand that we need such things as better gun control, better uh, noticing and reporting of alarming behaviors, but people have been advocating this for years and the situation is not improved. Is it time to go on the defensive 
uh, the defense and prepare our children for this reality? If so, how? My husband is in law enforcement and he underwent extensive active shooter training. I'm wondering if this is something that needs to now be taught to kids in school on a regular basis, like an extension of PE. In addition, should we be fighting for school money to be spent on bulletproof rooms, et cetera? Uh, do you think that's a good idea? Do you think these sorts of defenses uh, would come to fruition in a public school setting? I'm frustrated by the current reality that people who go to school and or send kids to school have no control and are expected to just take this horrific possibility of being shot as assumed risk while attending school. Um, just a couple little personal words uh, for me. It, it brings me back to years and years ago of the Columbine shooting. Uh, I was actually in London. Uh, Jan and I were dropping our daughter Alicia off to her first year of school, and uh, we heard about Columbine on the news. And uh, first thing we did was we called up our son. Uh, we're in Arizona, and um, he he was pretty traumatized by it, as were a lot of students at that time. And he asked if he could stay home uh, the next day from school, which we said, sure, take a day, but you know that's enough. So um, uh, this was an issue when my kids were in school. And, uh, and then I remember having a conversation, uh, probably about 12, 13 years ago, we were considering the possibility of maybe putting a school onto our church campus. And we were talking about building design. And, um, the guy said, have you noticed, uh, you know, that there was a certain era where schools had no windows in them because they were built as a way to protect kids from school shootings. And, uh, and now they put the windows back in because they found out it's not good to have classrooms without windows in them. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that we've, we've all sort of tried some fix it things, but there are some deeper issues here. Uh, I'm sure that you're going to touch on mental illness and so on. The concern that normally it's a boy who's doing the shooting. I, mm -hmm. I don't want to use the word normally. Usually it's the, uh, a boy right. doing the shooting, you know. So um, as you read this question, Michael, um, and in light of what's been happening, what, what are some thoughts that you have? Uh, yeah, it's – I, I want to – you know, my heart really goes out to everyone on this. And my, uh, my understanding of this and research into this did start uh, back in the 90s with those school shootings because um, – and so I'm so I'm going to give this perspective. So the Wonder of Boys came out in '96, and uh, soon after, and a fine young man came out in '98. And around those were uh, were all these shootings in Oregon, mm. in Miss, um, Mississippi, and um, Columbine. And I remember going from city to city. Right? I mean, I was a boy expert. Right. And so people were flying me from yeah. city to city, the media, people, you know, and I'm going from city to city and I'm speaking on this topic and and help, you know, obviously helping people. And and at the same time, I do understand this writer's powerlessness, you know, this feeling yep. of powerlessness, because you could just see this growing. And as male mental health it, it has been deteriorating, you know, you see more violence and um and a, so the core, I'm going to get to the school logistics in a moment, but the core issue, the collective trauma issue that our society faces is, is male mental health, uh, the mental health of boys. Uh, this is a, this is a, these boys who all the way back then, right? So we have 25 years of this now, um, th th at least that I know about, uh, all the way back then we knew 
how depressed those boys were. Uh, yep. Some had been sexually abused, but you know that would add to the depression. How traumatized these boys were. Uh, most most of the boys, though not all, lacked father, uh, but definitely not all. Uh, the common denominator was the was the depression. It was the mental health, and and uh, and then people said, well, we don't want to use mental illness. That's going to stigmatize. So you know, we can just say that their mental health is not sound, and that our country does not understand male depression. It just does not understand that when that male when males get depressed, they are more likely to become violent. And that will either mean killing themselves uh, or killing and hurting others. And um, so number one, that's what our society has to grapple with. If we grapple with that, what we're going to do is change some things. We're going to study males better. We're going to study male mental health better. We're going to train teachers and staff and parents. Everyone's going to get trained in male mental health, male depression. What does it look like? Uh, what happens? You know, how does the brain work when they're so depressed? Uh, what are the gaps in the brain? How do we watch for that? Uh, we're not going to solve it until we're willing to look at boys as a culture and the health of boys and then the mental health of boys and and the edges of that the dangerous edges mm. of of that so the biggest thing i would say is she's right we are powerless to solve this until we're willing to invest in dealing with male mental health okay mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply so however giving that answer would be abstract and i know she's asking some specific questions so a specific question the specific question about she also asks about guns. Okay, when you, <clears throat> I'm going to continue on mental health, but bring it to guns. When you have, uh, you know, what we have to institute a situation where parents are not giving guns to boys who are so depressed and who have mental health issues. And the case you're talking about, obviously, uh, is the Michigan case where the boys, and, and that's why I want to say to listeners, there are a couple other questions in the queue. Uh, we are going to get to you. Absolutely. We've even prepared to do your questions, but this is so connected right now to what's happening right now that we are, we're, we're doing this right now. And it's because uh, the parents gave this boy, knowing he was mentally ill, yep. uh, they gave him these weapons. And so, so no one can do that anymore, right? No parent can do that anymore. We have to get out of the politics of guns and the Second Amendment and all that. People can fight that battle, right? But in terms of the mental health of these 
boys, if we know a boy has any kind of mental health issue, we've got to hide our guns or get rid of our guns in our home for a period of time. So at least he can't get the gun in our home. Uh, because he's so depressed, remember, when he's when they're this depressed, they're more likely to kill themselves or kill others. So, And that comes along with male depression. It's part of what happens in the genes. Um, uh, so that's the gun part. And then as long as we're going to give kids who are mentally ill or have problems with mental health, as long as we're going to give them guns, especially giving them these automatic weapons where all they have to do is hold the trigger, right? And it'll shoot right. 50 bullets. We got to keep expecting more of this death and destruction. So we've got to invest in male mental health and in training everyone in teen male mental health. We have to in, invest in looking at guns differently for kids and especially boys who have mental health issues. And then from the school side, remember that schools are actually very safe, right? I mean, we are right. seeing this right now. It's really painful. It was painful in 1997, right? In 1998. I mean, you know, but the schools are still very safe. So statistically, the school is still a very safe place. So let's let's not I don't want us to jump on a bandwagon of, of hating on schools because they are they are still very safe. Um, but can it hurt? Can it hurt to give kids some more training um, uh, on action response, et cetera? No, I don't think it can hurt. Uh, they're all seeing this in the news. You know, these kids are all on social media. They know that they're their peers are shooting people. So in the yeah. school. So yeah, no, I don't think any of that can hurt more law enforcement presence in the schools, more uh, respect for law enforcement in the schools, more training by law enforcement of the students. Um, and we, we, what we have to just pick though, is the age, you know, are we going to train kindergartners? Uh, probably not. They're going to be, they're not going to get it. It's just going to be scary for them. But as the kids get older and they're moving into middle school, um, you know, for elementary, we can do some rudimentary things, but we're not going to show them video in the training of the death and destruction. But as kids get into middle school and high school, yeah, their brain development is such that it would not be a problem uh, to spend some some pretty good time and have law enforcement come in and spend some pretty good time training them. And that's not necessarily new. I mean, I remember when my girls were growing up, it was it was really big at that time for law enforcement to come in and teach them self-defense and, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, taught them, you know, kick the guy in the testicles. And, you know, they taught them all this stuff and they were middle school. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that she's right, that that stuff is fine to do. Um, but will that solve the problem? Uh, it, it, it may solve a problem in a particular school. It may save a life and therefore it should be done. Uh, but the problem is a male mental health problem, and our society is just not investing enough there. Yeah. yeah, there are so many challenges around this challenge, right? Because, first of all, it becomes politicized. And so right away, um, you've got advocates on both sides of the gun issue who come out, and they they use it for political discussions. Um, I'm a guy, I, I, to my, to my memory, I, the only kind of gun I've ever shot is a BB gun. I just was not raised in a family of guns. I have friends who love going to the shooting range and they've invited me to go and I just haven't had a chance. It sounds like great fun to just do target practice at, in a safe environment, a shooting range. And then I've got some friends who 
basically they're going to go to their death fighting for their first amendment or second amendment right to have any kind of firearms they want to have. And you've got everybody in between. And that oftentimes takes our focus off of, even though it's, they're good discussions, the stuff that you're talking about, which is so very helpful. We've got a crisis uh, of boyhood in our culture when it comes to understanding and caring for the mental well-being of our boys. And um, th- this is where uh, so much of what the Green Institute is about really can be helpful here for parents and for school systems. Uh, the one thing that we can do that shouldn't be political is offering parents and administrators and teachers um, insights into how to recognize depression in boys, how to, and then not just recognize it, but what to do about it. And that that really is lacking. And it, it seems like in this case, again, that the school was aware that there were some challenges with this boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and But we just haven't prepared anybody in culture to say, yeah, boys can be depressed too, so we should help them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I look at the school, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think schools, I think we create a, a hyper liability situation with schools. Mm-hmm. You know, we blame them, we sue them. I, you know, for the most part, um, I, I think they're, 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 again, they're safe places. They're doing their best with the tools they have and with the kids we give them, you know? Right. And, and, um, uh, and I'm not sure that this school did anything wrong. Per se, all I'm seeing is media reports. This one I have not consulted on, but um, uh, I consulted on the other on a number of other school shootings, and and you know the schools are doing their best. They're if they lack something, again, it is the lack of training in male mental health. Yes, they get some training in mental health, but they need to have training in male mental health. So, so and the parents too, because the parents are are sending these these kids to school right? The school only has them these six hours a day. The parents, we have them. So we parents need a lot of training in this and we need to, re- in male mental health. And we need to remember that, that most psychiatrists, most MD doctors, most psychologists, they go through grad school and med school and they don't get training right. in male mental health. <clears throat> and, and so you're referring to the politicization. A lot of that is because we won't, we, we won't as a culture deal with male mental health as a phenomenon, uh, because, you know, for all the reasons, of course, that we, we don't want to focus on, on boys. We don't want to focus on men. We politically are against that. Um, but all the destruction we see, or most of the destruction we see is connected to, uh, to male mental health issues. And it would be a lie for us to, to say, well, the gun, the gun had no part of it. That would, no matter where people are politically, I mean, I, I'm not anti-gun at all, um, where, wherever people are, that would be telling or continuing to tell ourselves a lie. Because if we focus on male mental health, we will realize, oh, no, no, you can't give that person a weapon like that. Uh, so, so you don't have to be anti-gun uh, to see that. And, you, and if you're pro-gun, you should still see it. You don't mm-hmm. want guns being used by this person who is so ill. Um, so if anyone is, and that's where it intersects with the Ford School and with Greg Jantz and, uh, you know, our sponsors, you know, a lot of a lot of why they are sponsors of this is that they do focus on male mental health. They also mm-hmm. focus, uh, uh, 
um, the center focuses on female as well. The Forge is a boys' school, so mainly male. They are focusing in this area, and they're kind of helping to lead the way, as is the Green Institute. You're right. We have been doing this for 25 years, leading the way in saying that male mental health is, is the core, is at the core of what is happening in our culture. And, and it's harder to get at that also, not just politically, but because male depression can be so mysterious. Mm. And, and, you know, part of male wiring is when males get depressed, right, their impulse control goes and it, it goes instantaneously. So like girls, they will, they will lose some impulse control. They're depressed. They will attempt suicide. That, that can be very common. Yes. Um, however, their, their impulse, they, they have enough frontal lobe and, and, uh, you know, I show these scans when I do talks at how much more of the frontal lobe females are using at their right. baseline. And the frontal lobe is where impulse control happens, executive decision-making. So even if they're really depressed, their frontal lobe is enough involved that they'll go, okay, I, I'm going to cut my wrists, but I'm going to call someone, right? Or I'm going to take pills, but I'm going to call someone. Because so what they're doing is they're attempting suicide to, to get help. And, um, uh, in, in many cases and they get help, but with males, they don't have that impulse control. So they get very depressed. Um, most of their brain function moves away from the frontal. So the impulse control part of the brain now is, is gone, uh, or mainly gone. And they're main, they're mainly in the amygdala in rumination loops in the midbrain and very little at the top. So they can't control the impulse, right? Their mental illness makes it so that they are different than girls are, um, they are more likely to go kill someone because they can't control the impulse mm. to not do it. And they're more likely to kill themselves because they can't stop the impulse. Once the impulse is in gear, they pick up the gun or, or whatever they're going to use. Uh, mostly it's a weapon and they shoot themselves and um, they can't control the impulse. So even at that level of mental illness, there are differences between males and females. Mm -hmm. and, and we have to deal with male mental health. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at uh, as you were talking about that, I thought it it's uh, a sad irony that one of the big complaints from certain segments of our culture is that men don't emote enough. And if we could just get men to cry more, if we could get them to speak their feelings more, everything would be better. And yet we refuse to deal with mental health of men. Um, and part of it is that guys do need male strategies for dealing with their own internal stuff because guys have stuff 
but we don't necessarily have a lot of good strategies for how guys can emote and deal with their own mental health. And I, that's what you're advocating here. We've got to help guys, parents, educators, help guys learn how to deal with their mental health. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to go beyond, uh, there's nothing wrong with getting guys to cry and talk about their feelings, right. right? I'll say that a thousand times. That's a great thing. Absolutely. It's a good thing. Let, let's keep doing it. But as you're implying, it is not what solves this problem. Right. Um, uh, it, it is a kind of, I suppose it's politicized or it's become pop psychology so that when, when, and I think I'm basically mirroring your point, whenever anyone decides to talk about guys and maybe mental health or depression or something, they'll go, okay, uh, here's how we solve it. We're going to get them to cry and talk about their feelings and and that's going to take care of it. And I think that's what you're implying, right? That that's the kind of irony. Yeah. And, and so if people are going to really pay attention to male mental health, they're going to have to see past that veil because that's kind of a pop psychology veil that has worth. It has worth. Every therapist like me is helping people cry and talk about their feelings. There's no doubt, but it's a veil over these deeper issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we will have to peel it away so that when, when let's say we bring it up, let's say a parent listening to this decides this is right. I got to bring up male mental health in my school. Right. And then that parent brings it up or gets a parent led team and a team of people get together and say, okay, look, uh, you know, listen to this podcast or whatever. Look, this is, this is a male mental health issue. What are, what are we doing about that? Yeah. Um, you know, and then the person responds back as they're sort of trained to respond. Well, uh, okay, we got to get rid of toxic masculinity and we got to get guys to cry and talk about their feelings. Then the parents have to say, that's a veil. Okay. It's good. Let's talk about it, but it doesn't solve the problem. Um, uh, do, do every one of your teachers, have they been trained in male depression and they, mm-hmm. can they tell you, uh, you know, whether that kid is depressed uh, and I'm going to say male, whether that boy is depressed, uh, and do they know how to, and do they know how to use the strategies to t- get that boy, if they want him to talk, to get him to talk, or at least to express in some way via art form, via video, via maybe not talk, you know, via drawing that's really gory. Can right. they get him to express his depression in a way that fits him? Or do they understand they have to move around with him to get him to access the top of his brain to tell them that he's depressed? But that if they, you know, that if he sits there for half an hour, he's sitting there and we're asking him if he's depressed, he's not going to access it. He's not right. right? That's He's a boy. You have to work with him as a boy. Are all the teachers trained in that? That would then become the the question to ask so that the, so that everyone in the system can get past this veil that if they cry and talk about their feelings and we get rid of toxic masculinity, right? We check our political points that that will solve this. Um, to her point, she said, this has been going on since, you know, she said 1764, but then she referred especially to the last 25 years. That's right. And and she's making the right point. We have not been dealing with male mental health and making that a national priority um, in our schools and in our systems. And so we are still, you know, reaping what we sow, yep. uh, uh, even though we have talked a lot about toxic masculinity and about, about, uh, boys crying and boys talking about their feelings. I mean, that we've talked about everywhere for 25 years. Uh, toxic masculinity is a new term, but we've been talking about the same thing for 25 years and we're not anywhere close to the solution. So yeah. yes, thanks for pointing that out. We got to get past yeah. the veil to see the core of this. Yeah. It strikes me that, um, 
and you know, we're both advocates for boys and girls, but it strikes me that if we said to someone, we need to help our girls' mental health, the first answer out of their mouth would not be, well, we need to get rid of toxic femininity. So that's the politics part. Right. We just have these things that for, you know, for a lot of reasons we put out there. And so I, I'm going to advocate here that a good first step for parents, if you've not read Saving Our Sons, pick that book up, read Saving Our Sons, and then either buy a copy or give your copy to somebody in your school system who you believe understands that something needs to be done. Get them to contact the Gurian Institute. And let's continue the work that Michael's already been doing for several years. Let's get the word out that boys and girls uh, tend to look at life differently. And this really is an issue for our boys. And there are some really practical do-it-now strategies that teachers can implement, parents can implement, Christian leaders, Jewish leaders, Muslim leaders. People can all use these strategies to help build uh, our boys and help them with their mental health. And um, one of the things that Michael's been an advocate of since I've known him is that this is not going to happen government down. This is going to happen from parents, and it's going to be a groundswell uh, from parents to teachers to leaders on up. It'll be bottom up rather than the top down. And um, Mm -hmm. as listeners of the podcast, you've got this great resource. So I encourage you to go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com, and um, Let's let's do our society a favor and let's care for our boys. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point about the practical, uh, these are pilots. You know, what happens is when a community, the parents read a, a book, you know, and that does happen that way and they form a team and, you know, five sets of parents or 10 sets of parents read Saving Our Sons and then they form a, what I call a parent led team. They go into the school uh, to the principal, you know. Uh, whoever is the person there and they show it to them and they try to get, you know, and then that person maybe hopefully reads it, uh, but at least they go in and through whatever Avenue they get that person interested. And, and then what happens is the school does a pilot and like in Phoenix where you are, right. We have a number of pilots. uh, Mm -hmm. And, and this is, this is where um, there is an intersection of government and the community. Those head start pilots, those city of Phoenix pilots um, in in Phoenix, where we've been able to get government and grassroots together um, to do these pilots, because the the government is involved in funding and supervising, of course, and then there's all the teachers involved, there's all the parents involved, uh, there's the counselors, the caseworkers, everyone's involved in the pilot, and um, and that creates systemic change. So if anyone is listening to this and you know you want to follow this method this kind of parent-led team and then going in you know what you're suggesting them is a pilot and um and that that is that's where we can where you as the parents will be able to see systemic change uh because what we need is the systemic change and part of what has happened for me with the government is i'm always working with the government i'm always trying you know i always people have heard me say this i'm constantly trying you know at the federal level to get them involved but yeah they they can get stuck in the politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas often in the grassroots, that principal, that assistant principal, whoever it is, they are not stuck in the politics. When they, you know, when they see it and they see that there's there are solutions, uh, then they say, okay, let's make systemic change. 
So I, I'm seconding your point there with, yeah. with and wanting to congratulate the government and the grassroots in Phoenix. Boy, they're they're right now really at the leading edge of this. Yeah. So it is a uh, we're really appreciative uh, for the question to come in. It gives us a chance to talk again to advocate for male mental health. Uh, and certainly we advocate for female mental health, but there are so many resources out there for that, uh, that the story is a bit different. So, Michael, as always, thank you so very, very much for your insights. Thank you, Tim. Thanks to this writer and our hearts go out to everyone involved in this. You bet. Thank you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.